0: Your throne. And I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Let's just talk to him right now. Hey, Amen, as you just been softly singing this song, worshiping the Lord. And your thoughts on Him right now this morning you know that you've got a need in your life your heart and you're just asking god said lord i need you you know some have great deep spiritual needs some have great physical needs some have great emotional needs maybe your mind's all disturbed and All kinds of things that are going on but all of us need him there's not a one of us that don't need him we must have him i want you to invite him to your pew right now right to you where you are in the service you see do you have a need of god then you ask him you reach out to him right now and say lord don't pass me by Why should we waste a service just to occupy a pew for a little while when we could be in the presence of God and he could speak to us? Just ask him to talk to you right now. You that's on the internet, you that are listening in from faraway countries, God knows you and he knows your need this morning. You reach out to him right now. You reach out to him right now. And just believe. Amen. For all things are possible to them that believe. Father, we love you. We thank you today. You're the almighty God, the omnipotent one. All power is in your hands. It was you that rolled off the universe, off the palms of your hands, set every star into place. By the words of your mouth, you created. Because your word has power. And we believe that word has power today, that it'll reach out to all the way through the throne of God, where we can find grace and help and hope in our time of need and mercies that are new every morning. Lord, you know the needs of your children today as they're reaching out to you. Many of them are desperate. Lord, there are those that are desperately needing a touch in their health. There are those that are desperately needing a touch in their spiritual life. Lord, oh God, you know that soul that today that is adrift and has never caught a hold of the revelation of salvation. I pray, God, that you'll speak to their hearts today. Lord, maybe some of them need peace in their mind, their heart. They're all broken up. Maybe a decision that they got to make. And they don't understand which way to go. And they're in a dilemma this morning. Maybe they're caught between two opinions. But you're God that knows every heart and every desire and the longing of every soul. And we pray that you'll minister to them. That you bring healing, Lord. Healing, Lord, as the evening light goes out into all the world. Lord, as the closing hours of this world's history are coming upon us, as there are plagues that have been leased released, O oh God, and, and, are, and are going forth, and people are dying, and troubles on every hand. Lord, we know that it's going to require the token, the Holy Spirit, that to keep back the death angel in this age and this time. Lord, oh God, physical death is the least of our problems. It's the spiritual death that is striking the lambs. And I pray, God, that you today will just help us, oh God, as your children, to take the lamb that is provided. Take of his blood and apply it freshly to our hearts. Lord, prepare for this great moment that is ahead. Surrendering our lives to you, we pray in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. How, how good is our Lord? Amen. God bless you. Good to have each one of you with us today. And I'd like you to turn again with me to Revelation chapter five, and we'll we'll read um, a verse of scripture here. Actually, I have seven verses that we will read this morning. And then we will do a little bit of review from last Sunday. And and then we will go into some new material as we go along. But I want to kind of bring your minds and hearts back to um, this this topic that I have today. We're going to be speaking on the abstract of title. So if if you'll look here with me in Revelation 5 and verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Certainly our hearts have been set to rejoicing this week as we announced um, that my daughter Esther and her husband Jeff are expecting a baby, and we are so thankful to the Lord for answering prayers, and I want to say I appreciate your prayers and all of this, and your, your continued prayers as um, she moves toward a, a given birth somewhere the 1st of November or around that time. So we want to thank the Lord for his goodness to us. Amen. And all I, I uh, Sister Nita sent me a, um, a, a, a little part from the internet showing that the desert around the Dead, the dead sea is also having a revival and seeds are coming to life that hasn't sprung forth in years and years and, and uh, it just shows us the barren is given life i believe that a barren church is given life we're going to give we're going to bring forth jesus christ back to the earth again amen before he comes he's going to be manifested fully in bride form amen, and see the Holy Spirit work in great power and great glory. So we appreciate you, appreciate your prayers and, and uh, your continued prayers for Brother Ron Spencer. He's doing well, and God is, um, is performing a miracle, and uh, we're, we're glad to be a part of that miracle. As I keep saying, we're walking in a vision, and I believe that we, ha- we are here in the very mind and the very purpose of God. And uh, we're here for this day and this age and this time for a great purpose that God has ordained. As we look into the scripture this morning, and uh, I just begin with just a little bit of review, and I'll try not to be too long in that, but I did want to just kind of bring the whole audience and the uh, unseen audience as well up to speed as to where we are in this subject and take it forward from here because um, as you know with uh, my account writing a chapter of the book of Acts this last Sunday and spending 45 minutes telling about what the Lord was doing we didn't have a lot of time to get into this subject this morning so we want to carry it forward from here and I hope, the, hopefully, the Lord will just inspire us by the Holy Spirit and Amen. inspire you and open up your understanding that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you can know the hope of your calling. This is a wonderful scripture that we're looking at here as we um, are. are um, I believe that this is very uh, relevant to our day and our time. 2,000 years ago, John saw it, of course, in symbols, and he wrote it in the Bible in a symbolic form. As The book of Revelation is mostly symbolic because God uh, held its understanding back unto the days of the voice of the seventh angel. When he began to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. We look here at this Revelation 5, and we also understand that there is... um, also, another portion of its opening, and that is by revelation. It is by revelation that it is given to a prophet, and then finally there will be a um, there will be a literal taking of the book, because the believers are that book, and will be raptured. So it's all symbolic, and in speaking of what God will do here in this end time process. And it begins with one sitting on the throne, and there is a book that is being held by this one on the throne that is sealed with seven seals. It is a book of title, but none can claim it. It is a deed to an inheritance, but there is no man that is worthy who can take it. And so we find then that the one up on the throne becomes the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world and becomes a man. And as being a man, he will be the worthy one that will step forth to claim the book. He's the only one that is worthy because every other man was born in sin and under the curse of sin. And so he could not redeem himself. So therefore no man was worthy to be able to redeem or claim What Adam Lost at the Beginning, because this is what this book contains, is the title to everything that Adam lost in the fall. Adam once controlled the earth. He was the dresser of the garden. He did it all by the word as a son of God. He said to this mountain, "Um, be thou removed. He spoke to the trees and moved them by the word. He controlled the winds. There were no storms. Uh, because he controlled the atmospheres. We find that Jesus did the same when he came the second Adam. And so that kind of gives us a portrayal of what the first Adam was before the fall. Of course when man fell, Adam uh, forfeited the title deed to the earth. But Satan couldn't take it. And so um, because he couldn't take it, then the title deed went back in the hand of Almighty God. And, and um, the title is the whole evidence that gives rise to a legal right of possession or control. And so when man lost and forfeited the title deed, the earth, he forfeited um, even the right or the title to his own body, which was made of earth. And um, Satan took the body, the spirit, and the soul of man and corrupted him, and man was robbed of his faith and and began to live in a cycle of fear. And man's body was made to be in the image of God, and it fell from an immortal state to being mortal and subject to thorns and thistles just as the earth is, and of course we're subject to disease and sickness. Uh, his body never needed medicine, never was sick, never had a headache, never a stomach problem. it became the target then of demons. And the evil spirits could now come and take residence in the body that once only housed a son of God. And, and uh, it was now to, the body was now to decay and turn gray and old and feeble until it was brought back to the dust. And God came down looking for his son and found him in this sad and deplorable condition. He was beaten and deformed and robbed of his inheritance. But of course, Satan couldn't put a claim on the predestinated seed that was in him. Amen. Because that was God and those names were in his book. So the book of title... Indeed, was now in question as to who owned it. And Satan had a claim on it because Adam subjected himself to him and became subservient. And God had a claim because he was the original owner and and, uh, had the first claim. And so it goes back in the hands of of the original owner, which is God, which will wait until a man who is worthy, who can come and take it and claim it back. For man. And, and of course, um, God was determined as he, as he looked upon His fallen creation and He said, Adam, you have been robbed, you have been cast into Satan's prison house, you were born to be free, but now you're in bondage to Satan. But I'm not going to let it be that way forever, but I'll provide an attorney. Uh, uh, someone, someone who can mediate for you before the court, and and can get the book of title back. But until then, the book is going to be held in escrow, which is um, in the hands of a third party, which is God, because escrow is uh, money, a property, a deed or a bond, put in the custody of a third party for delivery to a grantee only after the fulfillment of the conditions specified. So in this case, the title deed was then given back into the hands of the king on the throne for delivery to a man who was worthy. A man who was without sin. So this disputed title we find remains in the hands of God until a worthy man takes the book. And there isn't a man that is worthy. So as we said, God steps out of eternity to become a man in order to take the book. But the book is sealed and it cannot be opened until the seals are removed. And every claim against it must be taken off. And the removing of its seals are the given of an abstract. Now, an abstract, of course, is a brief history of the transfers of of a piece of land, including all claims that could be made against it. So, someone must come and pay all the debt that man owes in order for man to take it. So, because there are those claims that are against it. And so, once the book is open, it will give an abstract of title. It will show that the claims are now taken off. Now, we want to pose the question, how did the seals get on there to close the book? If you notice, Brother Branham tells us in Souls in Prison now, he said, it, it, it wasn't for the Old Testament, it was, this was only for the New because we know that Jesus paid the debt of all the Old Testament believers, and they were released from sin's bondage and the body of corruption, to to move from um into from from uh, the the condition they were as um, men who were of the dust who had died and they were changed and transformed and they were raptured. If, you're, if you want to just think about it for a moment, this is not going to be the first time that a body change has taken place Amen. because the saints of God rose from the dead. Amen. Amen. Of the Old Testament because Jesus completely and totally claimed the book and he paid the debt of all the Old Testament believers, and they were released from the holding place of Abraham's bosom to come into the presence of God, and so they were raptured. What a wonderful thing that is, that Jesus, his blood has paid and redeemed all of the Old Testament believers. He didn't leave one of them in that holding place. There was no sin that was underneath the old covenant that was, not, that was not paid for. Every one of them had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of them had transgressed the law all the way from, from Adam all the way down to the thief on the cross. Every one of them was transgressors. But Jesus paid it all. Amen. And to prove that the price of his blood was sufficient, it lifted up all of those from paradise and changed them in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And there they appeared unto the, uh, to the believers that was there according to the book of Matthew. And, and so we know that Jesus paid the debt and completely and to, and totally. And, and when the book was um, when the book of title was was to be given to there, we know that Jesus sat down to become the mediator to atone for every name that was in the book because there were still more to be manifested on the earth. And so he would there be the mercy seat. He would be the approach to God. He would be our way of salvation. For every man down through every age. And Jesus would remain on that seat of mercy, and he does until the last predestinated seed of God is dipped in blood and redeemed. Amen. And then the rapture takes place, and all the dead in Christ from the past 2,000 years will rise from the grave and and again um, appear to one another and, and to the living, and we will be all changed and be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Aren't you glad for that promise this morning? What a beautiful redemption story. But now when, when Paul um, read the, the will and the testament, we remember that every, every promise of God was open to us. There was nothing that was clouded on the deed. There was nothing clouded on the understanding, on the revelation. Every bit of it was open and plain and revealed. Paul would read um, from the wheel. He would actually read from this open book to us. He would read, you have been chosen before the foundation of the world. You are accepted in the beloved. You are predestinated to adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. And those early disciples, they were, as I said, they were reading from an open book. There was water, water baptism. It wasn't shrouded as to whether you immerse or whether you um, dip or whether you just pour a little water on their head or sprinkle uh, something, some little holy water from a rose or something. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't no question about it. There was no question over the formula of baptism. Everyone was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It wasn't a mystery. It wasn't hidden. It wasn't shrouded. It wasn't sealed. The understanding was clear and precise, and it was open. All the early believers believed in one God, not a trinity of gods. Amen. There was nobody confused on whether there was one Lord or two lords. They all knew there was one Lord. Amen. They could trace the serpent's trail all the way from Eden right to their present time. And as Paul revealed, as the serpent beguiled Eve, I fear that you will be beguiled and lose your virginity as Eve did. And of course, we can now see that his fears were not unfounded. As the Bible exposes the organized church as the horse sitting upon many waters with multitudes of people ruling over them. And so, in the first age, the Antichrist, though, he would begin to ride and he would come as an impersonating spirit and he was posing as Christ on a white horse. But it wasn't Christ at all. It was a spirit of Nicolaitanism. Amen. And he would go to conquer the church and subdue it and to close the promises of God up to the believers and seal it away where that understanding wouldn't be there. And then the Antichrist would seal more truths from the church by changing from the white horse to the red horse. Now, I'm quoting all of this referring to the seven seals of the book of Revelation. And the Antichrist would seal more truths away from the church, changing from the white to the red. And with a sword, he would go out and use with his power the support of governments and kings. And then he would go and stamp out the truth by putting, them, putting people to the sword. And according just to... Um, just to some of the smallest estimates out there, there were 68 million that were slaughtered during that time, and where that any light of truth and any ray of truth um, that was opposing the Roman Church would would actually be put to death. And so again, it would be it would be using that to sequester and to seal the truth away. Is somebody with me now? And then the Antichrist would seal more truths away as he morphed over and he changes from from red now to black. And, And the black horse rider would represent the dark ages and where that the priesthood of Rome would even sell, offering for money, a measure of wheat for, you know, or a measure of barley representing the, the staff of life, the bread of life. And, the, and doing so, the church would sell indulgences, which means permission to sin. If you notice this great thing, what they call here a Mardi Gras that's going on around you, and that just means a grand party. And what it is is before the fast begins uh, commemorating, I think it's, um, I forget, Ash Wednesday or whatever, and and they're they're getting ready now for Easter to come in. So, you know, all the Catholics, have throw a big party where you go on a binge. And you just celebrate and you, you, you know, if you're giving up chocolates for Lent, well, then you binge on chocolate. You're giving up alcohol for a few days, you binge on alcohol. And you do this binge before you go on a fast. Sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? But you see, they made that something very spiritual. And so they they begin their party, you know, because again, They pray and they they offer prayers um, for uh, to pray your loved ones out of purgatory, and and of course all of these things was given given freely by Christ. But now the church under that Nicolaitan spirit is charging, charging money for what Jesus paid for and gave us freely. Amen. And so, again, finally, the the last horse rider rides, and he that rides on him is death. And hell follows as the church plunges into the great tribulation. Now, sealed also was the truth of the salvation of the Jews as shown in the fifth seal. And then finally um, was to be a tribulation where under the sixth seal God's judgment would be poured out leaving only the seventh seal represented by silence, which holds the mystery of the unfolding of all the end time events. And it unleashes um, uh, something here because it breaks the silence. What has been silenced and held back and the revelation of truths that have been held back to the end time gets released under the seventh seal, which, is, which begins the very process of the coming of the Lord. Now, we often think of the rapture as a moment, a twinkling eye, eye event. That's the change of the body. But the rapture is a process. It begins with a shout, a voice, and then a trump. And these are three things the Lord does as he descends. So he, he does these things by bringing a shout, which is a message. And that message is to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. And then it is the voice of the archangel which which culminates in the resurrection of the dead in Christ. And then the change of the body. And then we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. All of that is part of the great rapture event that we're talking about. So when we speak about rapture, there, there's phases to the things that God is doing. And I believe that we are in a very rapturing moment. It's an hour of restoration where God is turning the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. Where he is bringing the barren church to life. Amen. That she will. She's been, she's been wanting to bring forth Christ back to the earth for 2000 years amen but today we are really under expectation because we see the signs that are, that are taking place and the birth planes that are coming around. And even the earth is going into travail of birth as it's getting ready to birth a world and by the burning of it and go into a millennial reign where Christ will, will rule and reign with his bride for a thousand years. But as we're saying the seventh seal, it breaks the silence. It unleashes a chain of events until the bride is raptured and the tribulation sets in where the false church is judged and the deceived church um, is given white robes. That's the church that goes through the tribulation, and then the, um, the 144,000 of uh, Israel, let me correct that, they're not given white robe, but they wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb, and then the, the 144,000 of Israel is sealed in, and finally the millennium begins bringing the fullness of the title possession back to man again, as the man Christ Jesus and his bride will rule for a thousand years. So this is why the book was sealed. Although it was open to the early church and they wrote a book of Acts, it became closed off in its truths and its mysteries and power was lost. But I want you to, to understand and let it get cemented in your heart this morning that what we are preaching is not another gospel. It is the gospel of Paul being restored back to the church. You say, Brother Jamwa, the Bible became a new book to Brother Branham when the seals was opened. That is because he now understood things as it was originally taught. It was not a new understanding. It was not a new Bible. It was not a a new doctrine. It was not a new truth other than the symbols in the book of Revelation were now made plain and revealed as to who the white, the red, the black, the pale horse riders were and so on. But now, you you remember Paul said the world will be judged according to my gospel. And he said if an angel come from heaven, and he said if I, or even an angel. He said, I can't change the word of it. And he said, an angel, he becomes from heaven, and he goes to change a word of this gospel. Let him be accursed. Amen. It is not something that can be added to or taken away from. It is something that must be believed as it was revealed and opened unto the apostle Paul when he separated law from grace. Amen. So the world will be judged by my gospel. And when Brother Branham went beyond the curtain and he told, was told he would be judged, all he wanted to know, all he wanted to know is Paul. Is Paul, will he be judged the same way? Because I preached the same thing he did. Amen. And I know if Paul is accepted, then I will be accepted. Hallelujah. Amen. So you see what we have today is 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 not a new gospel, but it is a restoration of the same gospel. Amen. The, Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom must be preached into all the world, and then shall the end come. And today, I am so glad to be able to say that we're living in the time, the day, the hour, where the gospel according to St. Paul is preached again, and the Holy Spirit is going behind it, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Amen. Now, so before the book of title could be opened by the Lamb, its seals would have to be removed. So there had to be a title search. So, the lamb works on earth through his agent, Elijah the prophet, to make a brief history of the transfers of the property, including all the claims that were made against it. So, we we can see it then. It was taken and it was handed down from, from Paul to Irenaeus to Martin to Columba to Luther to Wesley, and then finally to the last age and the last messenger, Brother Branham. So you see, the, again, he starts with Ephesus and does a title search all the way down to Laodicea. And i mean, looking for the claims that Satan had against the church. And I man, the first organization, Rome, the Trinity of gods, of three gods, false baptism of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, trailing the serpent right down. Amen. And of course, we know the call was for a worthy man. And we know Brother Branham couldn't open the book. He wasn't worthy. It would be the Lamb that would open the book. Because only Christ is the one that is worthy. And so the call goes forth for a worthy man. And there... There is much work and much effort of the devil today to try to render ineffective this worthy man and just trivialize him. Now, actually the church of Rome has been doing this for years. They trivialize Jesus by making you pray to Mary. And they absolutely did away. Is somebody with me? They did away with the father himself. Amen. And made him just as angry. Something that was in the back that we're trying to appease. But I want you to understand, again, this is what the church has done through the ages. Has tried to trivialize and to... And to um. And to, to take away the glory of Jesus Christ and render ineffective this worthy one. Now, I want to talk about that for a little while. Because Brother Branham said in the and church age, he said, see what was getting back there. That false vine was getting a hold, and it was teaching that rulership by man was right. He had taught that the church had to be governed. It taught a control over the people, but instead of doing it God's way, they simply took authority and vested all the spiritual power in their own hands and came out with a holy priesthood, standing between God and the people. They went right back to the old Aaronic system. They became Antichrist. Now listen, they became Antichrist, for they disposed of his mediatorial ship and impose their own. And God hated that. And the Ephesians hated that. And any true believer will hate it too. How many true believers we got? So we will hate anything that man will do to try to dispose the mediatorial ship of Jesus Christ. Amen. We must recognize him as the only intercessor between God and man. Amen. Amen. Our only approach to God. Remember, it is the spirit of Rome. It is the Roman spirit that disposed his mediatorship and imposed their own. And the same is true. You can watch that same Nicolaitan spirit even in other movements. Even those with message titles on them claiming to believe the message because in doing so they try to make it that Christ is no longer interceding and he only interceded for the ignorance of the ages and that once the word has come, he no longer intercedes. Well, he did intercede for ignorance. But in fact, there's still a lot of need for interceding for ignorance (laughs) because it's pretty ignorant to believe that that's all that he interceded for because he didn't just intercede for ignorance. He He interceded for sin and he interceded for your healing. Not just the the ignorance of the ages. And as long as there's sickness, we need an intercessor. As long as there's sin, we need an intercessor. And as long as there's revelation need to come to you individually, you need an intercessor because you're not going to get a revelation except by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way revelation can come is by the Holy Spirit. But the problem today is we have men who are not led by the Holy Ghost. But it is carnal-minded men um, who are pretending to be experts of the message. These self-imported men are masquerading as preachers. And they're really men without the Holy Ghost. And they have no true calling. Amen. But are inspired of Satan. Oh, yeah, I'm talking very strong. Inspired of Satan to say that Christ has left the mercy seat, and that there's, and let me just define it that is nothing more than a spirit of the Antichrist, a Nicolaitan spirit Amen. that is trying to take away the role of the worthy one. Now, let me qualify this because you might find an isolated quote that seems to say this. But when you examine the subject of all that the prophet said, you can only come to the conclusion that Christ is still the seed of mercy and the only intercessor between God and man and that we need him there to intercede on the behalf of us as sinners, not only for the lost but those of us today because of our doubting because of our disbelieving, amen, because of us floundering on the promise that he makes up for our mistakes. I'm so glad to say that there is an intercessor, amen, because as long as you are in these mortal bodies, you're going to need somebody that will help you with your carnality, amen. You're going to need Jesus. You're going to be able to have to call on him, You're going to have to have them intercede for you. Amen. Amen. Now, again, let's get the facts right. To be the mercy seat is to be the intercessor. And that means you are the sacrifice. And there is no preacher, there is no group of believers, whether we call them bride or church or whatever, that can be the intercessor or the mercy seat. Now let's just go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 25. I want to go through some of this. and I've already taken longer on my review than what I wanted to. So we kick into overtime. Be prepared. Right. Romans 3:25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation." Now that word propitiation is also translated in many versions, mercy seat. So God set forth Christ to be the mercy seat. The place of mercy or the blood of mercy. Through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now, we know by definition, we first find out about the mercy seat by Moses constructing one in the wilderness. The mercy seat in the wilderness tabernacle was the lid to the Ark of the Covenant where the tablets of stone were put in. And it was carried throughout the wilderness for years, and finally found a home in the temple in Jerusalem blood of mercy was sprinkled on the mercy seat or the place of satisfaction or appeasement. This was done yearly on the day of atonement, which covered the sins of the people until Jesus sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. Amen. So I want to I get you, this thought to you that, that again, that the, this mercy seat is the place of satisfaction. It is where the penalty of sin is met. And the way that is met on this mercy seat, now remember, without blood, it's a judgment seat. But when it, blood of mercy is put on it, it becomes a seat of mercy, and it would make an approach to God for the children of Israel. Now, again, if uh, I just want to bring it down now. Though, then, if... A bride. Because people are saying today, well, you know, there's no mercy. Christ's not in, on the seat of mercy anymore. He, he, he left that seat of mercy because the seals were revealed. But let me just make something very plain to you. As I bring it down and then morph it down so you see what it is, the bride now is the seat of mercy. So if the bride, a group who calls himself, names himself bride is now the mercy seat or the place of appeasement, then where is her blood shed? For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So then what then has she to offer as an atonement? Knowledge will never make an atonement. Come on, fruits will never make an atonement. It's only Cain's children that try to make an altar without blood. Amen. The the true seed of God recognizes it takes the blood of someone innocent to pay the price for my guilt in order that I can have an approach to God. This is why Abel brought a lamb. He realized something had to die in my place. Because the day we eat thereof, that day we die. And death now has has been ruled upon us all. And the only way that I will not die is for, for me to offer a lamb in my place. And that has to be my approach to God. Because without the shedding of blood, there will be no approach to God. Now, turn with me to 1 Timothy 2 and 5. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So I want you to understand, it never was the bride that was a mediator. Never was the church, church of Rome, that was the mediator. It isn't your little private group or some preacher that is the mediator. Come on. Amen. There is but one God. These other are trying to be God. They're trying to remove his deity. Amen. But there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. <laughs> no room for a group of people there to be the mediator. There's no, 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 no room for three billion Catholics to be the mediator. and of course you know it's not the three billion Catholics that are the mediator it's their priesthood that's the mediator and neither is it the bride that they're saying is the real mediator it's this preacher in the pulpit that becomes the mediator because he wants to be able to dispense mercy or withhold mercy and this mercy is dispensed and withheld on on whether or not you line up with my beliefs now Let's get it clear. Brother Branham said the only thing that will back off God is blood. And there's only one blood he'll back from, and that's his own son. And when he sees that's his own son's blood, he'll back off. In other words, the wrath of God will not come upon you if you have the blood of the Lamb. Again, speaking of the sinner, Brother Branham says in, in 1963 in April, he says he's looking away now to, to Calvary where the only, only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse him. Only one blood can make that leap across the chasm. And that's the blood of Jesus that flows within the chasm and puts him next to God. So he's saying there's only one blood. Amen, that, that will bridge the gap between you and God, the chasm between you and God that brings you back into fellowship with God. Only one blood. Yeah. Now, to deny that blood, you are, you are dead. You are eternally separated from God because there is no hope of salvation without the atonement of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9:15, "For this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament. So notice he is the mediator of this book of Testament. Amen, that by means of his death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were first uh, under the First Testament, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Let me read it again, for this cause he is a mediator of a New Testament. That by means of his death, notice his mediatorial ship is by means of him dying in your place. And this is why you can approach to God boldly. Because Jesus paid your price in full. So you can come to the throne of grace and find help in your time of need notice it is a throne of grace or a throne of mercy it is not a throne of judgment hallelujah but without the blood it'd be a throne of judgment and without the blood you couldn't find grace in the time of need there's no favor without the blood what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus. So if some group calls themselves the bride as a, and say they are the mercy seat, then she is the mediator or uh, she is the mediator. So what covenant or what testament is she the mediator of? So what is this new or recently developed covenant if the bride is now the mediator? Because she would have to have a new covenant. So now we don't have an old, an old covenant and a new covenant, but now we got the new new covenant, the third covenant. The only thing that makes the mercy seed not a judgment seed is that there's blood on it. Atoning. So where then, where then does the bride have blood to offer? The blood of a thousand saints can't save us. The blood of a million bride members cannot save us. In fact, the blood of every human that's ever been born, except for Jesus Christ, will not save you. There's only one blood by which we're saved. We are saved by the blood of Christ. We have forgiveness of sin through His blood. Now, so again, so who is worthy? It would take somebody worthy. So what preacher is worthy? And what group that names itself bride is so worthy that they can take us away our sins? And I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't even want their righteousness. Amen. But this one, this one, he becomes our sin, and he gives us his righteousness. The others, they, they, they may claim to take away our sin, but, they, but again, they cannot give us righteousness because only righteousness comes from Jesus himself. Amen. Amen. Jesus alone is our approach to God. Remember, the book is in the hands of one. No man is worthy until the one on the throne becomes the lamb. It is wrote symbolically as a lamb, so we're not confused with two persons of the Godhead. But rather, this is symbolic of his work that he is doing of redeeming. Now, so again, Jesus alone is the approach to God. Go with me to John 14 and 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So therefore, nobody else sees the approach to God, only through Jesus. Somebody with me now? Amen. Muslims cannot bring you an approach to God. Buddha cannot bring you an approach to God. Amen. Even the Jews cannot bring you an approach to God. With all their forms and religious rituals and everything else, they cannot bring you to God. There is only one that can bring you to God, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no man comes to the Father except by him. He is the only approach to God. He would leave the throne to make an approach back to him. When we could not go into heaven because of our sins, then heaven came down to us. Hallelujah. Now, if you go with me to Ephesians 1, so I don't have this verse here, but in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Amen. So Jesus makes it clear. He's the only approach to God. So how can a group of sainted believers, sinners like all mankind, be the life that man comes to God by? How can the bride be the way that sinners come by? How can she be the truth that sinners are saved by? Now, I'm asking this. How can she do it alone without Jesus? It is only through Christ we can offer salvation. It is only through Christ we can remit sins. It is only through Christ we can heal diseases. There's not any power in any of us on our own to heal diseases. Amen. But there is redemption in his blood. There is healing in his blood. There is power in his blood. Amen. So again, how can she be the truth that sinners are saved by? It's not her truth. It's his truth. So how can we do away with his mediatorial ship, amen, and become the mediator? We can't do it. There's only one mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus. Amen. The bride is the truth by being given the truth. She is life by being given life. Amen. She is the way by being given the way. But without Jesus, she is not the way. She is bereft. She is but a corpse. She is just a useless thing, a prostitute like the rest of the systems. A in spirit. Come on. Amen. But with Jesus, with Christ in her midst. Amen. Then there is redemption through his blood. There is forgiveness of sin. There is mercy and there is grace. Hallelujah. Amen. And back to the matter is, she only points to the way. She's not the way. Christ is. Amen. And so, again, she receives his way, his truth, and his life. It's all of Jesus. Amen. Now, I'd like you to turn with me to Romans 8 and 38. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now, how wonderful is this? Nothing can separate you from him. But I'll tell you, you just leave some of these preachers' assembly or their church group that they call the bride, and you'll find out how quick, right quick that you're damned and going to hell and told you can never make the rapture without belonging to them. Because, you know, just a little disagreement will separate you from their love. You'll, find you'll fall out of favor real quick with man. Oh, you can find out. You can even fi- fall out of favor with me, but you can't fall out of favor with him. Come on, Amen. No man can put you out, and no man can save you and put you in. So no man can make you bride, and no man can put you out of the bride. Salvation is totally of the Lord. It's not a man at all. you don't have to walk on eggshells wondering what day you're going to make Brother Tim mad and he's going to put you out of the bride because he don't have the power to put you out of the bride. And no other preacher has got the power to put you out of the bride. Only God called you and he elected you and he chose you before the foundation of the world. And what's more he can't change his mind about you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah man, you will never fall out of his favor. You'll never fall out of his grace. You'll never do anything to separate you from his love. His love will reach further down. His grace will reach down where man cannot reach. His mercy will endure forever because he's a God that is rich in mercy run out of mercy and you run out of mercy and men run out of mercy and court systems run out of mercy but God never runs out of mercy. His mercy endures forever. (laughs) He'll never run out of mercy for one of his own. God's chosen place of worship Brother Branham says. They say today I heard people tell me A man called me not long ago in Beaumont, Texas. He said, Mr. Branham, if your name is not on our church book, you can't go to heaven. Would you ever think of that? Don't you believe such a thing as that? They think you have to belong to that certain church or you cannot go to heaven. That's wrong. To believe that is antichrist. And I'll say this, if you believe such a spirit, you're lost. That's a good sign you're lost because it's taking away from what God did. You see, it's lost people who want to remove Christ's mediatorial ship and put it on a group. Amen. God never put his name in any church. I'm finishing the quote. He put it in his son, Christ Jesus, when he and his son became one. That's the genuine place of worship. No other foundations was laid. No other rock. Now, I wonder if some self-described group who calls herself the bride, how easy it would be to separate yourself from her love. The moment you disagree with the little pope of that group... You'll be separated and ostracized and put out of the group. But look at Romans 8 and verse 27. The Bible said, and he searches, he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So he, he makes intercession. Intercession. The Spirit makes intercession. Now, so who, who else can search the heart but Jesus? And who else is the Holy Spirit but the Spirit of Jesus? Amen. And who can know the mind of the Spirit but Jesus? Amen. So if a group is, a, is the mercy seat, Then she makes intercession according to the whim of some preacher. This is as cultish as cultish can be. Anything that would take away from Jesus Christ. But there's something, a deity spirit in this message that wants to remove the deity from Jesus and put the deity on a man or some other little group. Hebrews 8 and 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. So again, if some group is the mercy seat, what better covenant is she extending mercy by? In fact, I just want to ask you, what better covenant do we need? What can somebody offer me that Jesus hadn't already offered? What greater salvation can somebody offer me than Jesus offered? What greater healing can can be offered than what Jesus offers? Amen. So what better promises could she give than Jesus gave? The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He was a sinless one, but he became sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So in order to be the mercy seat, Jesus had to be made sin for us. Churches are groups who claim the power to remit sin. They, in order to do that, they will have to die and become sin and die and pay the penalty of sin. And I'm just going to say, I don't need you because mine has already been paid. Amen. For the bride to be the mercy seat, then she has to be the propitiation. She has to be able to turn away God's anger. To be the mercy seat, she has to be the giver of blood because that's what Christ had to do to be the mercy seat was give his own blood. The blood, as I said, of all the, every, of every bride member uh, that if it could all be shed of the whole world could not save not one sinner. There's no power in her blood. There is only power in his blood. There is no salvation in her name. Hallelujah. I mean, you can belong to Evening Light Tabernacle as long as you have breath in your life, but it won't save you. You can never miss a service, but it won't save you. There is no salvation in our name or the name of a local assembly. There's only salvation in his name. It is him you have to belong to. You can belong to this church and still split hell wide open. Amen. But if you belong to Jesus, the rapture is yours, the millennium is yours, the new heaven and earth is yours, everything God has is yours, because you are, are receiving airship from him. Hallelujah. His name is the only name given among heaven whereby men must be saved. Brother Bradham told us in God's chosen place of worship, he never said anything about a she. He said him. In fact, he talks about that. He said, notice, it was not a she lamb. It was a he lamb. He said, it's never her. It is him. Amen. Him is the meeting place. The lamb, not the church. Not her name, but his name. He didn't put her name anywhere. He put his name in him. That's why all we do must do in word or deed. We must do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. If we pray, we gotta pray in the name of Jesus. If we petition, we gotta petition or ask in the name of Jesus' name. If we walk, we walk in Jesus' name. If we talk, we talk in Jesus' name. If we baptize, we gotta baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. For all that we do in word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Again, same message, God's chosen place of worship. Um, He says, Death cannot strike where this provided place of God is, and that's in the lamb. Notice this. Only in the lamb is where death can't strike. So while he ain't lamb no more, then you ain't got an ark of safety. There's only one place where there's safety, and that's in the lamb. Amen. Notice he was forbidden us. He, he, uh, He wasn't, he was forbidden us, uh, he was forbidden to strike um, Israel or the Hebrew priest or any of their denomination all must be in God's chosen provided place or death struck. Church wherever you are, whatever you belong to makes me no difference. But there's one thing you must know. You've got to be in Christ or you're dead. You can't live outside of him. Your church might be all right as a building. Your fellowship might be all right as man. But when you deny the body, the blood, or the word of Jesus Christ, you're dead the minute you doing it. It's God's chosen place of worship. That's where his name is exactly. That's where he chose it, but his name, not in the church, but in the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, of course, you know, Men's mind, as they begin to work and contemplate, and they begin to pose questions like, well then, but we're justified. We never did it in the first place. So we don't need an attorney. We've been declared righteous and justified. We no longer need an intercessor. We don't need even a mercy seat in this age. We've been declared righteous, that we are the pure, sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. We never did it in the first place. The case is dismissed, Brother Tim. So we don't need an attorney. You know, you know what? Don't you know what the prophet said? Brother Brandon said this. We are perfectly. The case is dismissed. There's no more sin to the believer. Oh, God, have mercy. If people can't see that, There's no more case. He that heareth my word believeth on him that sent me has eternal life and shall not come into the judgment, but is passed from death to the life. There's the case. Case is dismissed. No more case to it. Amen. And I say amen to that. And, And of course, you know, the case is dismissed. But here's how. Amen. You say, well, we don't need a mediator because our case has been dismissed. We don't need an intercessor. We don't need an attorney no more. We're beyond all of that. We don't need that. Well, listen, here's how. On the wings of a snow white dove hadn't to be present when Brother Brandon preached this one. He said, did you know a real Christian doesn't have any sin at all imputed to him? David said, blessed is the man who God will not impute sin to. When you're washing the blood of the Lamb, not by make-believe, but really the blood of the Lamb, God does not impute to you anything that's done because you're under the blood and he doesn't see it. There is a blood sacrifice. The only thing he can see you in is the way he saw you before the foundation of the world. When he puts your name on the Lamb's book of life, that's all he can look at because you're redeemed from everything else that was done and you're washed in the blood of the Lamb. So the case is dismissed because I'm under the blood. Amen. The case is dismissed because i got a mercy seat. The case is dismissed because Jesus is my sacrifice. Amen. And what was against me is dismissed because he paid the price. And the only way God can see me now is the way he had me in his mind before sin ever entered the picture. Hallelujah. Because Jesus, hallelujah, our attorney did away with the evidence that was against us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't do it by crookedness. He did it as a legal attorney. And he did it by paying the price himself. I say, what an attorney. I say, what an attorney. Amen. We, do, we, we were criminals. If you're a criminal in our court, you're not going to get some attorney to take your place. Amen. You're not going to get some attorney to pay your fine. You'll find millions of dollars. He's not going to pay it. You'll pay it or you'll go to jail. Amen. And we would have went to hell because it wasn't none of these self-made wannabe attorneys in religion that could pay our sin debt. There was no church group could be our mercy seat and pay the debt against us. But I got news for you. Jesus did. Hallelujah. And what he did is he not only did that, but he esponged all the evidence that was against you because he, hallelujah, he didn't just cover it in blood. He annihilated it by the blood and said, you never did it in the first place. Well, I see you now is what you were in my mind before the world began. That's how I see you now, and that's how I always see you. And when you pray, that's the way that that I see you. You might have made a mistake. You might have had some doubt or unbelief. You might have uttered some nonsense, uh, you know, that you shouldn't have said that oh maybe I'm not healed, maybe I didn't do right. maybe I, maybe I'm not just, you, you could have, you could have said any kind of nonsense five minutes ago and dip it in the blood and he doesn't see what you did five minutes ago. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen, but he sees you the way you were in his mind before the foundation of the world. His blood annihilates sin. It annihilates the guilt. It annihilates the shame. There's no shame on me. Amen, how many believers this morning can say, there's no shame on me. He took my shame. He took my penalty. He took my sin, and there's no shame on me. He became me that I might become him by his grace. Brother Brandon said, therefore, there's no gall in you. There's no unclean habit in you because that the blood of the lamb that has did this and God cannot impute sin to you after you got a sin offering laying there waiting for you. Well, you say, well, that gives me plenty of room, Brother Branham. I can do what I want to. He said, I always do. Amen. I'm talking to a group of people that smoke all they want, drink all they want, lust all they want, watch pornography all they want. Come on. Why? Because the want to has been changed. The desire of sin has gone. Hallelujah. And I got plenty of room to do what I want to. What I want to do, I want to serve him. I want to love him. I want to keep his commandments. I want to be true to him. Amen. I want to be in fellowship with him. That's what I want to do. Hallelujah. Gives me plenty of room. Amen. But when a man can really see what Jesus done for him and turn around and do something Contrary to him, it shows he never received Christ. You ever receive him once. Amen. Sin is finished. You don't want any more. Amen. So, this is why God can only see us like we were before the foundation of the world, is because he is our mercy seat, he is our comforter, he is our advocate. He is our propitiation. He is our sacrifice. And his, sin cleans- his, and his blood cleanses us from all sin. Amen. Hallelujah. So that means the covenant is yours. The land is yours. The book is yours. Amen. The covenant is the deed to it. And the enemy that possesses his claims to you must be struck off. Amen. So here we are as believers. Here's where we stand. We have a mercy seat. And Christ is that seat of mercy. He is that approach to God. You cannot approach him through a church. You must approach it through the man Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And then when you find that worthy man and he takes your place as a man. Remember, it was man that lost it. And he was not taking the book as God. It did not look for a God that was worthy. And when the sound went out, it didn't say, is there there a God worthy? It said, is there a man worthy? There has to be a man worthy. Now, once that man takes it, God becomes a man to take for us what we couldn't take, to pay the debt what we couldn't pay. Is somebody with me now? Amen. Amen. Now then, as God does this and takes on the sins of man, then he takes the book in his hands and he looses the seals. I want you to know, he doesn't give you the book with still claims against it. He doesn't give you the book and there's still seals that are unopened that you're not worthy to open. Because it would take a lamb to take the book and to open the seals. Not just take the book, but to open the seals. Nobody, nobody else could do it but the worthy man. Now, I want to get it to you. Because it is God as a man taking man's place. And winning back the title that was lost for man. Not so he could go back and sit back on the throne with it. No. He didn't want it for himself. He had it as God. Look in the Bible. I mean, there was one sitting on the throne. As God, he has the book. But it's a man that needs the book. But man is sinned and can't take the book. So God becomes a man and takes the book. And then God opens, amen, this man as God as man takes the book and opens his seals. Amen. Hallelujah. And as he does, oh brother, he doesn't leave it in the heavens. He rips it off and he hands it down to his seventh angel on earth. Amen. To reveal the mystery to the end time church. So that you would know your debt has been paid. And the sin debt of the ages have been paid. And the lies that have been there, the debt. You couldn't go into rapture with a false baptism. You couldn't take, come on. I'm talking about alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. A glorious church without spot or wrinkle. You couldn't go and take a, a rapture and be the alive and remain with sin debt on you. Luther couldn't take it. Wesley couldn't do it. And they couldn't have a resurrection and a rapture in their age but hallelujah in this day in this time oh god has made it possible to take the seals off the book and every claim that's been against the church you have had baptism wrong you've had you've had the godhead wrong you had the original sin wrong you had predestination wrong you had all the marriage and divorce you had it all wrong Hallelujah, but I'm not going to leave you in that condition with debts on the church. You can't go on a rapture with a debt. I've got to pay the price of redemption, and I've got to take the blood and apply it there and get rid of the sin debt. The false doctrines that has kept the book closed to the believer because when I hand it to them, it's going to be an open book. Hallelujah. Now let's read Revelation 10, 8. And here we are. Here's the book that John couldn't even look on, that he wasn't worthy to take. Now John represents, in the symbols here, he represents the church. So now he hears a voice from heaven Notice if we would go back to Revelation 10 1, you would see a mighty angel come down and his description, verse 2, and they had in his hand a little book. What? Open. So the book now that was closed is now open, and an anointing is coming down. Now, this is not the physical return. This is not a 900 foot tall Jesus putting his foot on the land and on the sea. This is this here is represented as an angel of the covenant where God becomes his own, his own messenger or angel of the covenant. And here he comes down now and he's got a book and it's open. Amen. Hallelujah. He puts his feet on land and on the sea, and all the powers there of the of what's in the sea, multitudes, nations, kindred tongues, and people. That's what sea means in in the Bible. The many waters, and then upon the land where there was not many people. Right here in America, he puts there his foot on the land and on the sea. Amen. His feet are as pillars of fire. Amen. Holy Ghost filled individuals. His body, notice, it only shows his head when, it, when it's displayed in the, in the skies and the and sign comes. It's only his head. There's no body. Where's his body? It's on the earth. Amen. And you are his feet right here overcoming Satan, right here in his, this evil age, Amen. putting your feet. Come on, Joshua. i never mean, everywhere that I, the soles of your feet tread that I have given to you. Footsteps mean possession. I give you possession over every spirit, whether it comes out of the land or on the sea, every spirit upon the earth. I give you possession and authority and power over it. Amen. and it cannot act it cannot break loose and hell cannot break loose until those feet lift the earth and a bride goes into rapture then all hell breaks loose on the earth but as long as you are here hell cannot break loose the tribulation cannot come the pledge cannot all come We may be seeing pre-tribulation plagues, but them plagues of the tribulation cannot come until a bride is raptured. And when she's raptured, then Satan comes down. And he becomes a king. And he possesses the nations. But now notice, he has in his hand a little book. And it's open. Go back to verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake, Unto me again. And he said, go and take the little book, which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and the earth. Notice how perfect this is. Now you go take the book. You were man, no man was worthy. John said, I wasn't worthy to even look on it, much less to loose the seals or to take it, but now, after it's been done to the mediator. You say, mediatorial ship is over with. Well, then who is this mediator coming down with an open book and mediating between God and man and bringing it down to man again? Amen. Hallelujah. It is, it is a mediator, a man, and he comes down now, the mighty angel. As a messenger of his own covenant, he comes and he reveals himself to the seventh angel on earth, Revelation 10, 7. That's where he reveals himself in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. He reveals himself so the mystery of God would be finished. But then in verse 8, I want you to understand, there comes a transfer of the title from from Christ to man again. Now, let me tell you what it's a title for. It is a title to your new body. Now, really, you're not really that concerned about going out here and moving this tree and all of that. Amen. Amen. What I want to see is this body change. That's really where I want the earth to move. Amen. This is where I want the trees to move around. This is the garden I want dressed. Hallelujah. I thought about it the other day. All of us old great-headed men and women and, and whatever, even some of you younger squirts. Hallelujah. In the moment of that body change, can you imagine? We're going to be like a bunch of kids in a new clothes. Hallelujah. I'm going to be strutting a new body. Hallelujah! I'm gonna be strutting up an ageless body. I'm gonna be showing off and kicking and running and jumping and see what I can do. We're gonna be back a bunch of kids that just got dressed in fine clothes. There ain't no finer clothes than a new body. We're going to be robed and wrapped around in a theophany, changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. Because God has given you back the title to every promiser he is. And it's resurrection hour. It's rapture hour. It's the time to deliver all nature where the sons of God rise. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, musician. We might as well bring it down. What a day that will be. What an hour. Hallelujah. What a moment. You ain't never seen joy while we're fixing this thing. Amen, you think we're a bunch of radicals here at Evening Light Tabernacle getting rejoicing over a little lady becoming pregnant and not barren anymore and all the other joys that we've had uh, of sickness going away and and this and that and we rejoice over it and shout and run these aisles. Amen, just wait till you see my new body. You ain't seen me act out yet. You ain't seen me strut yet. You ain't seen me shot yet. Amen, so that day I'm changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song, what can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of jesus hallelujah